Hello, welcome back to the Centennial 38 podcast. My name is Warners. And I'm Jared. And we're back with some more of the Centennial 38 podcast. Uh, we are fresh off a 2-0 victory. Um, it's been a minute since we've been able to say that. Uh, it's been a minute since the Rapids have scored. Uh, they scored three goals, but, you know, one was taken away. Um, but, yeah, the Rapids um, did the thing. They um, they did do a thing. They, they, they won. They had a great game, I would say. They absolutely dominated the Chicharito-less LA Galaxy. But something tells me even a team with Chicharito in that in that game is going to not do as well. Um, Chase Gasper, I will always say, sucks as a left back. Um, and so um, whether he's with Minnesota, now with L.A., I think uh, anyone attacking, uh, you know, anyone on the right-hand side, this time it was Barrios, absolutely cooked Gasper. Uh, that's enough talking about the opponents. Let's talk about the home team, the Rapids who have not lost the LA Galaxy since 2017. That is an insane stat, if I may. It's a add. remarkable stat. Um, and so, with that being said, I am uh, I am quite happy to be on the on the end of a win here. Jared, your thoughts, your immediate thoughts on the game. Um, what what did you see out of this Rapids team? Yeah, and I mean, just great to win again. And this this performance looked looked a lot more, felt a lot more twenty twenty one than twenty twenty two, in my opinion. Um, to go back to Gaspar after you said no more talking about the other team, uh, I think <laughs> Sam Nicholson had another lively game, and I think Sam Nicholson would say that Gaspar was lucky to be uh, to not get a yellow until so late in the game. Because I thought Gasper really killed Nicholson's day because every time he got clear of him, he just drug him down. Uh, I think you could find four or five instances of that where where Nicholson could have done something on the wing and he just he gets you know drugged down and well, really he was, before he left, he was the most fouled player in MLS that season. He left, so that goes to show. Yeah, well, I think you see that continue because he is pretty shifty and that that footwork lends itself to um you know it's either ball or man not both is the the coaching philosophy there so if the ball goes by you can't let the ball and the man go so you've got to make a business decision and and i think that there was a lot of leeway given to those be, those business decisions before the yellow finally got drawn um yeah aside from that um you know a lot of good good movement up front um another game where uh our our DP striker uh, comes through, and what did you think of that first goal um, that was called off? Um, I I had two feelings about it, um, and seeing it afterwards was is an interesting angle, and I still think it should have been a goal. Um, I I think it's very weird to uh, uh, to kind of look at that and say it's you know offside because I. I I don't know. It was it was definitely a weird one because you know, seeing as how overall the uh, the the offside because Keegan was in an offside position. If you haven't seen it yet, um, he was in an offside position, but he was also sort of um, I don't know how much of the play he was involved in. I really don't think he was that involved in the play. I mean, that's my contention as well, and it's um, such a it's such a um, referee decision. There, um, it, it's tough because you can see that called both ways. I think, um, but yeah. I, in 
in my soccer fandom, I've always thought goals were one of the most exciting parts of games. And I, I think with VAR now, we're at a point where um, you can't you can't even really celebrate a goal. You have to go back, look at everything uh, ad nauseum. And there's a lot of different ways where we're picking at goals to find ways to not give it um, where where, you know, I, I think it should be. The, the standard should be much more clear and obvious that it isn't a goal. Uh, but, hey, um, it is what it is, and, and we took care of business anyway. Yeah, and with with that being said, with um, with the whole um, was it a goal, was it not a goal, I think for VAR, I think it's it's still a very – I'd rather be in a situation with VAR than without VAR. Um, though I, I will say that um, in the Champions League game, you know, last year, Rubio scoring uh, the game winner. Uh, I don't know if you remember the game winner against the uh, the taken away game winner because you know it was Comunicaciones. We uh, Max scored, and then late, late, late in the in in the game, Rubio scores. Last year, VAR there was no VAR, so that wouldn't have been taken away. This year, you know, the year that the Rapids are in Concacaf Champions, VAR takes it away. Um, so I mean, and, and that goal. From that goal to Zardes' goal last night, it, it yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. We're looking for reasons why it's not a goal, as opposed to like a clear and obvious like, hey, this was not a goal because, you know, this guy like legit, you know, did this. He handled the ball, whatever it may be, um, and and you know, kind of handling of the ball. I, I think when VAR, and, and <laughs> I don't want this to be the VAR discussion, but um, it, it's just very weird. To just um, to just kind of take that out when it was when I really felt it wasn't a uh, a a clear and obvious kind of error because in real time if no one saw that Keegan was offside and interfering with the play to go back to that seems a little harsh. Um, despite yeah, that because goes- what is interference? You know what you know what what constitutes interference? And and I I don't know the answer to that question. And I think if you ask um, a panel of of ten. Uh, pro referees, you might get, you know, seven different answers. Um, I'm not sure what the party line is. Yeah, and it's just kind of that weird, nebulous, you know, kind of void where no one, no one knows for sure what is or what isn't clear and obvious. Uh, I, I mean, I thought, you know, we'll talk about Seattle here in a little bit, but, but a couple of weeks ago they played the Timbers and first half was a zero zero, right and. Uh, uh, VAR missed a very clear and obvious kind of foul, and they didn't give the the they didn't give the penalty to Seattle. So um, that week, that the, whatever weekend that was, there was plenty of VAR misuse, plenty of referees getting the wrong calls, and I think it is kind of important that you know it is kind of nice to like think back and like. You look at some of the calls that the Rapids had last year, they were very, very lucky. I remember one Lala Sabubakar challenge that should have been a penalty and it wasn't given. Um, and so, I mean, with, with a, within a season, sometimes, um, you know, you get, you get luck. Sometimes you get a little break here and there. Um, with that being said, we are um, kind of moving forward. I think, uh, I think VAR is a good kind of use to have still around overall. And it's not going anywhere. So, you know, I, I think all in all, 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any real agendas or vendettas and, uh, typically everything works out. It's just, um, you know, the frustrating thing is the, the, the in-stadium experience I think, um, is, is definitely lessened by the fact that now, you know, one out of every two, um, goals is, is, has to be reviewed. So you, you have a muted celebration, um, and then cross your fingers for two and a half minutes. And that time, I think, very rarely gets added on accurately at the end of halves. Um, there's a number of things that I think are um, that we could just do better or maybe use VAR a little bit more sparingly um, to to really use it in its intended form, which is to eliminate clear and obvious errors. Um, you know, if somebody is is two yards off sides, you'll, you'll hear no argument from me. But when we're, you know, drawing seven lines on a screen so we can see where a, a you know, front cleat is at that point, you know, it's, it's a little too much and that's, um, but that's where we're at. You know, VAR is, is not going anywhere. Technology, uh, typically only goes one direction. So I think we'll probably see, uh, more video intervention rather than less, uh, to, much to my dismay, but all in all, as I say, it works out. Um, it pretty much works out the same way, um, where you, you have some lucky breaks and you have some breaks go against you. Um, and I, I think, as you mentioned last year, uh, we, we talked about it into the season. We certainly had no qualms. I have no qualms with officiating calls this year, um, especially not in a game where we are able to, to take the three points. And um, uh, I, another big moment in the first half that I think probably saved the match because we only win with shutouts was a strong palm from Mr. William Yarborough, um, who I think had a, a really terrific game. Uh, how do you think his season is unfolding? Do you think that he is living up to some of the hype that we threw his way last year? Um, and do you, do you think that he is, um, you know, performing to expectation, I guess, at this point in the season? Yeah, I, um, I actually do think that uh, he is worth every penny. I mean, I was... Um... I was already kind of, uh, uh, I, I've, I've already eaten my crow on Yarbrough because I, I always thought he was a washed league on Max goalie and to come, you know, into the rapids and kind of shove it in my face. I, uh, am super glad that that's, you know, the case. I'm super glad that, uh, that he is kind of, you know, just kind of the best option we have had for a while. Um, you know, I, I think he's know. better than Howard. So, um, better than Howard. Yeah. I mean, how far do you have to go back to find a keeper of that quality? I mean, Clint Irwin was really good before Howard, uh, uh, when he left for Toronto. Uh, and he was so good. In fact, that he helped, you know, lead Toronto to that, uh, MLS cup. Um, and then after, after Irwin was McMath and and McMath is, I, I I still attain that McMath is a solid goalie that, you know, just kind of had a bad, you know, a bad hand dealt to him here, and now he's thriving at RSL. But before that, he was doing really well elsewhere with Vancouver. So, um, they call know, this but, a, but, a bit of Homer and a bit of wanting to shit on Salt Lake. But uh, if you offer me McMath in his prime and, and uh, Willie and Yarbrough, Yarbrough right it, now, it's taking Yarbrough. Yarbrough right now. No, I know, and that's what I was going to end with is that you know, we. The Rapids have seen some great keepers, and Tim Howard wasn't even that bad in his, you know, in his first half here with us, the first half season in 2016. I mean, he had, I mean, legendary status goes to Tim Howard because I think he's the most high-profile player the Rapids have ever had. 
I remember. Oh yeah, definitely. But I think a lot of that was built on what he had done. Uh, you know, yes, being absolutely. a long stay at Everton, having a having a spell at Manchester United. You know, these are clubs that. Um, well, I don't he even think it's really that. one of the first that came over. I mean, I other than. Like, I don't even think it's the pedigree in the Premier League that he had. I think it was the fact that uh, in the World Cup he stood on his head and people celebrated him for that. And, I mean, it's not very often the Rapids logo is on uh, Good Morning America. And so <laughs> in terms of high profile, you'd be far, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone better than, than Howard. Uh, but you're right about the whole, um, you, know, his, you know, his pedigree within, uh, within Europe and stuff like that. But with that being said... Uh, I, I do think William Yarbrough is up there in terms of quality keepers, um, you know, and, and the Rapids have always had great keepers. I mean, uh, you know, it's always just kind of the defense that's been that, that's let down Willie. But, you know, you know, on that night, the defense did amazing. I do want to talk about Danny Wilson, who was oh. on he was on one man. He fantastic. Yeah, I, I think that was his best performance. The fact that he game. was overlooked in, in MLS Team of the Week, again, we know that they only look at goals, just goes to show that there's no one that's conducting those lists that is watching all the games because anybody who's ever had any understanding of soccer would have seen that Danny Wilson did more in 90 minutes. I mean, he was everywhere. Uh, I don't know how many say how many blocks he had. I mean, he had more blocks than uh, you know any of our defensemen for the Avalanche in the hockey playoffs. <laughs> um, he was everywhere. I, Dude, I think a really fantastic performance. Danny, I mean, when Danny is uh, lights out, he is amazing. And then it, it the opposite side of that is when he's bad. Oof, it is bad. But I mean, he had the most touches on the ball that game. Um, he set up the ball to Lewis, the long ball to Lewis that set up uh, Diego Rubio. And so he's, he's you know, directly involved in the play. Um, he's he's lights out, man. I, I thought Danny Wilson, this was the model game for him to, to always. It wasn't like, oh, Danny Wilson uh, scored a goal, but he also gave one up early in the, in the first half. It was, no, Danny Wilson said he made L.A. his bitch, dude. It was that simple. I thought, I thought you know. It was just the most awe-inspiring performance from a from a center back I've ever seen. Uh, because yeah, I think that's not an exaggeration. I was amazed. I was constantly. I was like, "There's Danny again. There he is again. Another yeah. clearance. <laughs> Who was that? Danny again. Um, it it really was. Um, he stood on his head uh, in in you know a fashion that if if you get that performance out of him every game, you're looking at a player who should be. Um, you know, the best center back in the league. And uh, his his distribution on top of the fact that uh, he put in a hell of a defensive shift is just icing on the cake. Um, so I think I we're really it. seeing the best of his career right now. I love it, man. The the, the two guys I've uh, I kind of uh, hitched my wagon on, Wilson and Rubio, proven to have very solid years. I mean, the defense is still suspect, uh, and we can't forget that, you know, we're still – Without a road win, we can't forget about the defensive collapses that we've talked about for the past, you know, month and a half. But if this is what things are to come, you know, it, it's it's definitely exciting times because because uh, I think you have two road games coming up. Uh, we'll talk about the Seattle one, but you know, if you can just get one win there, it, it does it does spin the season a lot more positive than not. You know, uh, the Orlando. 
midseason uh, midweek game should have been a win, and that you know we would have been on a lot higher of a horse. But in a in like a, in a vacuum, this game was perfect. This game was amazing. You know, it's not the uh, this is kind of like the business as usual result from last year, but this year this it's a result that really matters. Um, can we talk about Ralph Preso? What did, what were your thoughts on Preso? I said right before the game because I was seeing him, you know, coming out in the starting eleven. I said Rapids fan, Rapids fans, prepare to fall in love with Preso. Uh, did you fall in love with Preso that night? Did you feel he uh, had a good performance? I I did, and you know, this performance, like you said, in a vacuum, it was fantastic. It does feel. It felt more like a 2021 performance because it feels like we're scraping back to that, okay, we are going to comprehensively dominate games. We're going to finish some chances. We're going to score early, and we're also going to put one in to to really solidify. Um, But doing so without like a a standard 11, like it's just not – we don't have a lock stock lineup that we throw out um, for any given game. Uh, But Preso for the first 45 minutes absolutely did a job, um, which is really what was asked. Um, I wasn't sure uh, at his age if if he is the guy that can can come in and do a job, Um, but he did in the first half. I think good distribution, uh, good first touch, and um, really something to build on. So uh, while I don't necessarily think that he is going to be a, like a, a stalwart yet because I think he is going to grow into himself. I think that you know he was relatively uh, error free on on Saturday, but I don't know that if we give him say 180 consecutive minutes, um, I think that you're looking at it. Um, you know, at his stage in development, you would expect there's going to be some some bobbles, some howlers, um, some giving away balls that uh, just kind of. Um, you know, don't paint him in, in as nice of a light. But for 45 minutes to start his Rapids career, I think that there was plenty to be excited about in the player. Yeah, dude, I I thought he uh, did really well. Uh, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna you know, quote this tweet from Joseph Samuelson, uh, JSP Sam at JSP Sam on Twitter. Uh, Ralph Preso versus Galaxy. 45 minutes, 23 touches, 84% passing, six out of six duels. One out of two long balls, three tackles, one interception, two possessions lost. Um, my thing is, if Preso is going to be our dog in the midfield, um, trying to kind of um, win balls back, because uh, because I don't need Preso to be Pirlo, right? Uh, we kind of need Jack. I think Price. that's safe to say. We need Jack a little Price more athletic, to- hopefully. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> by Pirlo, I mean, like, ball-playing ability. I think the ball-playing uh, is honestly best reserved for Jack Price, who, upon, you know, coming into the league, was originally a, a defensive mid and now has turned into this kind of um, two-way midfielder that uh, that kind of finds, you know, pockets of, of space to, to pass the ball into and, and set the forwards up. Um, because we can't, as much as I love the Danny Wilson long ball, that, that, that sort of stuff can easily be, uh, be kind of countered and played against. Um, so if, if Ralph Preso is just going to be a ball winning midfielder in the middle, I'm okay with it. So long as, you know, so long as we do have the distribution, the distribution from, from somewhere else to me, he, he does feel like a more, more athletic and a much more kind of versatile Colin Warner. Cause Colin Warner is the type of player that's going to, Win the ball back and then you know pass the center backs and kind of you know get dirty uh, as as you know as the saying goes. But 
Uh, Ralph Preso probably has those same qualities and that kind of physique, that body to win win balls and then uh, hand them off to the to the right appropriate people for the, for distribution and whatnot. Um, and and I don't know, like I I do think that as as much as you know Mac was our our star player or whatever, he didn't really do that. He really wasn't kind of. I mean that maybe wasn't his role, but you know he really was not um, as you know as a stalwart midfield as we wanted him to be. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think uh, Mac wanted to be um, like a lead soloist in an orchestra, and what we have is is more of a garage band. Um, and I think that Ralph fits in that, in that scenario. Um, you know, as, as we talked about last week, we're going to be going route one, uh, more often than we've seen in the past, I think, especially as long as Jack Price is out, because we just don't have the ability to build through midfield right now, as well as we would probably like to, um, or that we've seen in the past. So, um, having somebody that can come in and destroy, you know, uh, six out of six duels. Wow. What else can you say for, for a guy, his age? Uh, three tackles and a half is also fantastic. So if Ralph can come in and do that same job, get acclimated to the the altitude and and really settle in, then um, you know I think he's a player to be excited about. And um, I, I think he actually has a job even when Price returns um, because our midfield, as I've bemoaned a number of times over the course of this season, is still thin. And, and I do think that Ralph offers a lot more upside than Colin. Um, even though Colin Warner is a, a, you know, a favorite of mine, um, I think that he's done a, a hell of a job over the last two seasons. But all in all, when you look at a team who who is if not rebuilding, then at least building. Um, and, and we aren't a finished product by any means. Uh, you look at a player who has a lot more upside for the future and, and any minutes that we can give to Ralph at the, for the rest of this season, it, it does seem to make a lot of sense to, to try to vet a player in and, and see what you have, uh, rather than the known quantity in Colin Warner. So I do hope to see Ralph with, with a number of starts and, um, extended starts. We'll see if he can run 90 in the next couple of months here. And that is tough. I mean, having, uh, having moved to Colorado myself, uh, from, from a more sea level type area, it, it does take a little while to get your full legs underneath you. There's a reason we, we have that preview before every game. Uh, you may feel nauseous uh, with a headache and all those good things. Um, it is, it, it's up there for a reason. We take it for granted because we live here, uh, but it, it does take a toll. So uh, good first 45 and looking forward to a lot more going forward. Um, speaking of going forward, how about those forwards for the Rapids? Um, a bit different uh, narrative after the last couple of games um, than we've had for the last couple of months. Uh, yes. Um and I know a lot of people might be expecting me to come on here and say like uh, that I was wrong about Zardes. Um, I think no matter who was in Zardes' position, you have to finish that right the uh, the Jonathan Lewis assist. But uh, you know Jonathan Lewis had a great game. I think uh, he was my man man of the match. I know Rubio got it, but Lewis was on one. Uh, he set he you know got the ball from Danny. Great touch to bring it down. Finds Rubio across the top of the ten, uh, top of the box, passes it, and Rubio score. I, I did not expect him to score there. Uh, but what did we always say um, regarding Rubio last year? Is he needs to shoot? He needs to shoot. He needs, he needs to be selfish. He needs to just take chances. Um, when he came on against Orlando, that's exactly what he did. Um, he he came on. He had you know in in just what was it thirty minutes? He had five shots, three on target. 
So um, to for him to get the ball where he did and just let it rip was nice. It was a lot better than Rubio um, of 2021. I mean, I think a lot of people would agree with me, would agree with me that 2022 Rubio is lights out compared to 2021 Rubio. Um, and then Zardes, great finish uh, by Jonathan Lewis off a back heel assist. Um, and so I'll, I will eat crow on Jonathan Lewis because I've said for a long time that, uh, he should be benched. He's played his way into the starting left wing. Um, and we keep getting perform. I, I remember there was a time when, um, when Lewis would come on as a super sub and, and, and score goals. And he, he was like electric off as a super sub. And then he'd start, and he wouldn't replicate that same magic. Uh, now we're getting the magic from Jonathan Lewis that he used to get when you know when he'd come on as a super sub. And then yeah. Barrios as well had, I thought he had a great game. Um, quiet, not noticeable, but uh, still solid. I still think he uh, is. I still think he's his decision making is a bit lacking. Um, but he's still very much a, a solid, you know, right, you know, right wing, right winger. Yeah. Jonathan Lewis. Um, so as you mentioned, when he had that, uh, extended run of being a super sub, um, you would say he's playing at sevens and eights, had a run starting and he was at sixes and sevens. Now he's starting and playing sevens and eights. That is the type of player who, if he can sustain that, and this, this has been the problem, is the sustained run. And I think this is as long of a purple patch as we've seen. Um, if he can sustain uh, high-level performance playing you know, uh, as one of the better players on the pitch, providing um, a goal or an assist every other match or so, um, this is the type of player who will be a part of the future of the Rapids. And I don't think we thought that necessarily even two months ago. Um, he's really played... Uh, lights out and that's that's a real credit to the player and um, hopefully hopefully that continues because if he can play this out for the rest of the season we're in very good shape the Rubio goal was really um, it was like an f off goal uh, for me because I was sitting so I wasn't in 117 uh, because of the heat because we had a long day we weren't standing for the match I was over in the corner um, and I had a really good view of when he received that and looked up um, there was no question. He, he was having a go and, uh, we, we talked about how he had a couple of shots right at keeper against Orlando in that last 30. Um, but he, he took the same type of shot, dialed it in and it looked fantastic. So by all means, I'm hoping that Rubio is very selfish, uh, when he sees a shot from that, uh, from that distance and that angle, uh, really, unless you're slotting uh, Zardes in for a really guild edge chance, because we've seen him, you know, with with nailed on opportunities, he's still about 50-50 on whether or not he, he puts uh, a good shot on target, let alone scores. And so um, I, I just hope that Rubio is selfish from that distance, and uh, hopefully he continues to score from there. We've seen it, his free kick ability, so we know he can score from that distance, and if he can do so, uh, run a play. That just adds another dimension to this attack, which I think is going to be extremely valuable. And then Zardes, like we mentioned now, I, I, I kind of let in uh, seeing how much you'd hype him up, and I, two goals in two games, fantastic. Um, but he's, he's just coming good now. Like this, this is not, um, you know, we're not saying that he is flying to the top of his potential. He's just had a run against two poor teams where he has found the back of the net on a number of chances. So, um, you know, Zardes now on the score sheet, I, I talked about this before 
that position is is one that can go in in peaks and valleys, and it tends to be something where when you start scoring, you keep scoring. So long may the scoring run continue, because uh, again, uh, no matter how you feel about him, I think that we all know that our success for the rest of the season is going to be tied to Zardes and his goal scoring ability. So uh, long may that continue, and we'll we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But all in all, I think that probably is. Uh, one of the best matches so far this season um, up there with the Atlanta match this year for, for Rapids' best performances so far in 22. Yeah, and like I said with Danny, you know, I can't, for, I can't you know, Danny had a great game, but you can't excuse a good game for, like, the tons of, you know, defensive blunders in the games that we've had. Just like, you know, I can admit that Jazzy Zardes had a great game against the Galaxy, but I can't excuse the fact that he's been a ghost for the last, you know, few games that he's been here. So um, I do think you said it right, though. Like um, uh, a, a goal-scoring run is desperately needed, whether it's from Zardes, uh, whether it's from Rubio, whether it's from Barrios, whether it's from Lewis, whoever it is, we need sustained kind of, – we need to keep this momentum forward. Uh, we, and, and, you know – in due time, maybe it will be Mac was the, the issue all along um, and not Zardes. And not, you know, because, I mean, as much as I want to see Rubio at the 9, if he's, you know, producing as a 10, I, I still don't think that's his best position. But, you know, right now, if this team plays like it did for the rest of the season, I'm okay with it. The four three three is quite literally looking to be our best position. Um Still got some holes in the game, though, for sure. We're, we are still missing Jack Price. Uh, but on we go. Talking about Seattle. Uh, Seattle have not won in three in, since uh, they've played away. They've they've lost their last three. They lost 1-0 to the Fire at Chicago. They lost 1-0 to Nashville at Nashville. And they lost 3-0 to Portland at home. Um, that 3-0 from Portland, um, it is a very misleading um, scoreline. I it was a very good game up until the ref uh, gave a red card to the Seattle Sounders in the first minute of the second half, and then the Timbers made them pay. I um, actually it wasn't zero zero; it was one zero. But it was still like you know the Sounders were still playing a very solid game. The Sounders at home are not a team to kind of take light lightly. It's been a while since we've won there. I think. Uh, the last time I remember us winning there would have to be a, a Kevin Doyle game where he kind of chested or shouldered the ball. I, I still I still attain he shouldered the ball, but he uh, got the ball in a great position and, and slotted it home. Uh, Jared, what are your thoughts on Seattle? Uh, what are your expectations for this match as a Rapids fan? Do we get a dub here? Four losses in five games for Seattle is not something you see every day. Um, that's a club used to winning. Um, and, you know, we haven't talked much about trap games this year because uh, our Rapids seem to find every match can be a trap game um, for, for the 22 season. But uh, I think this looks like a trap game for Seattle because not only they have us at home and then they go and play at, in the under the bright lights in L.A. Uh, the following Friday, uh, which will be a, a showpiece, nationally televised game. Um, how much might they overlook these, um, you know, in the standings, these lowly rapids? Uh, <laughs> this is exactly the type of game that we like to see. Uh, you know, we, we probably play better as an underdog uh, than, than any other team uh, that I've been, uh, you know, 
watching for a long period of time. We just embraced the role of, of underdog. So uh, we'll probably not come in favored, even though Seattle has four losses in five. And um, that's exactly what we'd like. You know, if, if they can underrate us here a little bit and we can put two wins together on the trot, uh, win a game on the road, the entire season looks a little bit more rosy. The playoffs no longer look like they're out of reach, and um, you know we're kind of flying. As as um, the beginning of this month, we were at a very low point. So um, would be one hell of a way to finish up um, this this month of July. Yeah, and I um, I do believe that uh, it's hard for me to say that we're going to win here. Um, it's I look here. The last time we beat Seattle in Seattle was actually 2016. Uh, the Rapids won on a 43rd minute uh, header or goal by Huberg. It doesn't say if it's a header or not. Uh, so you just assume because it's Huberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually do remember this game. I think it was a header. Um, but you know, they they beat the last time they beat them was um, six years ago at at Lumen Field. Um, so it is it is a lot to to kind of prepare people for like hey we're gonna win you know because it, it does feel like it, it is a it is a tall order to go into into lumen field and win but i think there is some uh you know validity to what you said about it being a trap game for them i think anyone can see us on the schedule and think like it's probably an easy game it may not be an easy game as much as they think it it is um so with that being said um you know i i I am prepared for I'm preparing for a loss here. Unfortunately, um they do have to um they they will want to win desperately because they have, you know, LAFC on the road. And when they play LAFC, it's always a lights out barn burner type fixture, but against the Rapids it, it really needs to be a kind of professional um like we need to take care of business at home, and I think they will. Uh, I will say though that um, teams in the past have given um, Seattle some some trouble. I mean, LAFC came in there, they played their game, and they beat them. Uh, Charlotte came in, scored off a crazy goal by Ben Bender, and then sure enough, uh, Seattle would come back and and win. Um, but they're not as kind of. I mean, they lost to Inter Miami at home, and so if there's any. If there's any hope I can give you, uh, Rapids fans, right now, is that the Rapids um, will probably, if they come in and play their game, like they did against Salt Lake, like they did against KC, they they really just need to limit uh, Jordan Morris and you know hope that Rui Diaz isn't starting. If Rui Diaz isn't starting, uh, I like our chances a lot more. But it is, um, it's still a lot to ask for a win here. Yeah, it sure is. It always is when you when you like I say. Um, you don't usually see Seattle on a on a four out of five uh, game loss uh, record, and that's it's unusual. Um, they're certainly still going to be the favorites going into this match, and and again, I just I think that does suit us uh, that that they are going to be favored, and uh, we'll see. I think uh, you might be you might be thinking from a place of self preservation a little bit because this season we haven't had results on the road. Uh, I very rarely do this, but I'm letting myself get a little bit excited because this does feel like the best chance that we've got of, of you know, putting together a run of form. Um, if we can do it now, then the playoffs are still within reaching distance here. And I, I think that um, it, a win on the road is something that we desperately need. A win at Seattle would be even nicer. 
And if we can put that together, then I, I think that uh, everything looks a lot rosier on the other side of, of that match. However, uh, like you say, it's never easy to go in there and win. And I, I think the most likely result from a you know odds maker's perspective is that the Rapids lose here. And in that situation, uh, you know, we don't gain much uh, from that LA match uh, because if we if you don't gain any steam, if you don't gather any momentum, then one win at home is just an expected result in a pool of poorer than expected results, uh, rather than a springboard onto better things. So we'll see what happens here, and I'm excited to watch it. Uh, Juan, where will you be watching the match? Uh, I don't know yet because. <laughs> uh... I got plans to uh to head up the mountains um that weekend so TBD at this point um I just saw some crazy um <laughs> some crazy news Ravel Morrison joins DC United that is ridiculous that's a stupid move sorry I'm getting off track um yeah I I'm going to hope to maybe catch the game somewhere uh but uh, I do got plans in the mountains because I, I I don't I don't think the Rapids are winning here, unfortunately. So, um, you know, I'll I'll be monitoring the scoreline, probably watch it on a repeat when I get home, seeing how they played. But uh, I really want to be surprised when I open my you know my phone and it's like Rapids one zero. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to be crushed when you open the phone and, and Rapids 2-1 uh, with a 93rd-minute Rubio goal. Um, you're going to be heartbroken when you see that and you didn't watch it live. But if you do want to watch it live, um, there's plenty of places around town. You know, uh, this is this is the C38 podcast, and I think uh, one of our great friends is the Celtic Bar uh, right downtown. And uh, if you can get to Celtic on market for the match, a great place to watch it. There's the number 38 um, up in the, the Rhino area, uh, lots of great places to go watch a match. So even if you're blacked out, still can watch the Rapids on the road. Uh, you know, don't don't be a wand and think they're going to lose. Go in thinking they're going to win, uh, and then be disappointed like I will be. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun, uh, but. Um, I, I think this is a match that that should provide uh, quite a bit of entertainment value. For what it's worth, I am betting the win, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't think we're winning. That's the kind of mindset of a uh, of a of a gambler that bets too much on the Rapids. Uh, yeah, you're hedging. You're hedging a little bit. <laughs> That's going to be it from us here at the C38 Podcast. Though you can follow uh, C38 on Instagram and Twitter at C38SG on Facebook Centennial38. Um, we got some, you know, some away days, so it's going to be uh, less, you know, less tailgate time, more kind of, you know, watching the the, the pits from home. And so, uh, number thirty eight is a solid place to watch it from, and the, um, you know, the Celtic as well. Can't ever forget the Celtic. Uh, Jared, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at Jared underscore Geisler on Twitter, and uh, you can probably find me in uh, in the Celtic for a couple of these away matches, I'd imagine, as it's just a short train right away. Yeah, you can follow me at Warners FC. Um, that'll be it from us here. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we're gonna hope that um, we're gonna hope that uh, the Rapids can continue. Um, to be play more LA Galaxy games. So he scores when he likes. He scores when he likes. Oh, Zardes, he scores when he likes. I was I was gonna say Rubio because you know everyone was 
talking all this shit before, but you know now he's he's come out. He's about to score ten, man. If he scores ten against Seattle, dude, uh, it's gonna be the biggest. I told you so. In the history, let's go. Let's keep both strikers Rapids, on the board. Rapids ninety six history, bro. I told you so. All right, that's gonna be it from us. Have a good rest of your day. Bye bye.